Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. You everywhere. I don't know what's been going on this morning in here. Unsupervised, Quaid. I think that's what the situation was. Who, we're unsupervised? No, the people who were in here before us. Uh, oh, they're unsupervised? Unsupervised. Things were messy everywhere this morning. Uh, the, the English morning would meeting. call it higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> Hey, uh, I was I was in the GM's office the other day, and he apologized for his desk being a mess, and I covered for him. I said, don't worry, it looks exactly like the same time I was in Einstein's office, so... That that settled well, that's, everybody. Uh, that's out. quite the cover. That uh, you know what? That way I can get out of there without anything else going on. If you're a mess and put things off to the last minute, we've still got you covered. Patriot Expo going on tomorrow, put on by the Quincy Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of tickets left in my hand here. We'll give you a chance to pick those up uh, after we're done talking with Craig Robinson this morning on the morning meeting. The Iowa Republican. He'll be along. New numbers uh, that continue to come out this week as polling commences after the Labor Day weekend. You know, this is when everybody tells you traditionally everybody's all in and you're paying attention for this eight-week run-up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the timing with the mishandling of the Hillary uh, illness, whether it's uh, Trump continuing to capitalize on the momentum that he started with his trip to Mexico, but his numbers continue to surge, and we'll put some perspective on those with Craig Robinson, yeah. Yeah. the I, Iowa I, Republican. I, I've got some questions for Craig as far as the way Hillary has approached uh, her game plan over the last, well, really since since the convention. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm curious to, to, to see what Craig says uh, about how the Clinton campaign has uh, approached things. Because right now, I would tell you, it's not working. Other things coming up this morning. Why every time my home state is in the news, it's embarrassing itself. I'm just... Got to hang my head in shame. What is it, somebody's today. wearing a T-shirt that says "Got me some." <laughs> no, that would be preferable to what's <laughs> been going on. We'll talk about this coming up all here on the morning meeting. But we get to start the show this morning by welcoming someone back to the morning meeting, Wayne Allen Root. It's been some time since we've had Wayne on the show with us, but uh, he once again gets an opportunity to join us this morning. His new book out, Angry White Male, is available. And Wayne Allen Root with us back on the morning meeting. Wayne, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Sean Equate, how are you? We're doing excellent. Uh, glad to see you've got another piece out. And let me go ahead and, and ask the obvious question first. In this uh, liberal ivory tower uh, culture in which uh, we, we being white males, have been chosen as the ones to be picked on, are we allowed to get mad about anything? Well, we are now. I'm, I'm taking the veil off, baby. I'm taking the handcuffs off, and we're allowed to say whatever we want to say. And I'm proud to be deplorable. That's all I could say. Irredeemable and deplorable. That's what Hillary called us. And I love it. I'm part of uh, Trump's deplorable army. We are all deplorables and we are irredeemable, meaning you can't even resurrect us. You can't rehabilitate us. No matter what you say to us, 
we're just a bunch of dummies. And so from now on, we should just let the country be run by pieces of garbage like Obama and Hillary, who have destroyed the country, run up $20 trillion in debt, and just destroyed our reputation around the world, put Israel in danger, gave Iran everything they wanted to, uh, you know, to propel terrorism around the world and to destroy Israel. You know, let's just give all the, uh, all the power to the people who graduated Harvard University because they're so smart and they've put us in such a great position that we're $20 trillion in debt. One out of six men doesn't work anymore. There's 94 million working-age people not working. Uh, the stats keep coming out every day. The industrial production stat yesterday, down for the 12th month in a row. Mm-hmm. That's the worst slump in 100 years of America. The GDP for the last eight years under Obama, under 3%, first and only time that's happened in the history of America, going back to 1776, the day we were founded. No one's ever put together eight straight years of under 3% GDP. So now I can understand why I'm a dummy and you're a dummy and we're deplorable and we should let the smart guys run the show. No, I think maybe it's time for Trump and the deplorables to throw these bums on their butts. You're going to have to make room for us in the basket because uh, we're right there with you. We talk about things that that we should be upset about. You mentioned we've been told by this administration that 2% as far as growth is the new normal. I think that's just a CYA tactic. We're told the border is secure. We now know that uh, DHS is sitting on a report that says otherwise, but they won't be able to release that uh, word leaked out yesterday until after after the election. They won't release it until after the election, right? Right, right. So these are obvious. By the way, don't forget, in 2012, we have such short memories in America. In 2012, it looked terrible for Obama. And Romney was going to kick his butt. And then all of a sudden, one month before the election, in October of 12, the Labor Department, excuse me, the Census Department released some figures that suddenly was the greatest month of job creation in the history of America. 525,000 jobs were created in one month. Now, keep in mind, that was just a guess. And after the election, we found out it was a guess because the real number was zero. It wasn't just a guess. It was fraud. And someone in the Labor Department and the Census Department got together, stuck their finger in the air, and they just made up a number. And Obama got reelected. And now here it is four years later. Hillary is done. Hillary's finished. She's DOA. And I don't mean her health. I mean her political career is DOA. Trump's beaten her now in every poll or tied in every poll, even the ones where his hands are tied behind his back. And they're over-polling Democrats. And most Trump people don't even want to speak to a pollster. That means he's probably up by 10 or 15 in every poll. And at this moment in time, what did they release the other day? Same Census Department releases out of the blue a a, a study that says that it was last year was the greatest wage increase for middle class people and the greatest drop in poverty in history. Now, keep in mind, the GDP is near zero. There is no business in America. Everyone's dying on Main Street. Keep in mind there are no jobs. Keep in mind they just announced just yesterday in a different department, the Department of Labor Statistics announced that in the last year, weekly wages are down. And yet the census just came out with a fraudulent number that it's the greatest year we've ever had in history. Out of the blue, with more people on food stamps, welfare, and disability than at any time in the history of America, we suddenly had great wage growth last year, while another department admits the wage growth was down. You tell me what's happening. Pure fraud by government. Wayne Allen Root, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Yeah, are you going to believe the, the reality that you're living, or are you going to believe the fairy tale that's being uh, posted to you? Are, are we just supposed to be uh, treated as voters like just raw nerve endings that, that just feel without thinking? 
Well, you know, look, my new book, Angry White Male, is about the fact that it's okay to speak out. Now, we're the soccer moms of the 2016 election. You remember back in the 90s, I think it was, the soccer moms were real popular. And it was just, it was just a moniker for suburban housewives who had kids, who cared about their kids and wanted to vote for someone who had their kids' best interest in mind. And that's how I feel about 40 million angry white men. It's time for us to speak out. It's not anything racist about saying we're 40 million angry white male men, just like a suburban woman with children. We're just fighting for our own self-interest and our own survival. And we're fighting in, not on attack, but in self-defense. Because it's pretty clear that the people in power, and it's not a black-white issue, by the way. Nobody think I'm saying that, because Obama's black and Hillary's white, and they all believe the same thing. It's a liberal issue. Liberals want to destroy the middle class. The middle class happens to be predominantly white, but it's not just white. There's plenty of black middle class people, plenty of Asian middle class people, plenty of Hispanic middle class people. So they're out to destroy the middle class, and there's collateral damage. They don't care if a few black people and Hispanic people get kind of carried along by the tsunami, but they want to wipe us out and make us dependent on government. And I'm sick of it, and it's time to admit that it's a purposeful attack. I was there at Columbia University, the most important chapter in my book, Angry White Male. I was there class of 83, my classmate Barack Hussein Obama, and I was there when all my classmates laid the plan out and said, we're going to wipe out the middle class, we're going to wipe out America, we're going to wipe out all the white people with money who said that, all my classmates were white, and they were all rich, and they hated their parents because they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, pure guilt, and they wanted to wipe us out, and they said they had a plan to do it, they called it Cloward Piven, you overwhelm the system with spending entitlements and debt, and sure enough, that's what the last eight years have been, this is a purposeful attack to fundamentally change America and wipe out uh, the middle class and wipe out white people with power. That's what they all wanted to do. Well, they're doing it, but they happen to be wiping out plenty of black people and Hispanic people, too, because you look at all the statistics, they affect everyone. Everyone should be angry. Blacks should be angry, and Hispanics should be angry, and Asians should be angry, and Jews should be angry. Everyone should be angry because Obama is wrecking the economy, and Hillary wants a third term of this same horrible economy. Wayne Allen Root, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. You've got a new article up at uh, townhall.com. That's where I found it, uh, where you cite some of these statistics uh, about uh, immigrant households. 33% more cash welfare, 57% more uh, food assistance, 44% more Medicaid dollars. And, and I'm just uh, throwing the, the, the ballpark numbers. You get more detailed about it in that article, uh, immigrant household versus American household. Uh, what are some of the other details? Yeah, the, the, the deplorables versus the deportables. Yeah, that's this that's election. It. And so I'm with the deplorables, the Trump team. Hillary, of course, loves deportables. She loves people who should be deported, but probably will never be, by the way, even by Donald Trump, in, in my estimation. I believe Trump is a negotiator, and he keeps talking about deporting people because in the end, he knows he'll never deport anyone. He'll just build a wall, and that's his negotiation. At least we'll get a wall out of it. But you've got to aim high to get something in life. And so I think I've said from day one, by the way, when Trump gets elected, he will absolutely build a wall. I don't know if Mexico will pay for it. I don't know if he'll deport anyone, uh, regular old-fashioned illegals, but I do believe he'll deport every illegal in prison that's committed a felony. And I do believe he'll try and deport a lot of the people who are committing welfare fraud who are here illegally. And I do believe he'll end sanctuary cities. And that's the point I try and make to people, that you've got to negotiate in life, and by aiming high and asking for a thousand things, we'll get something. Something is better 
<laughs> there's a sneeze. That usually they say God says you're telling the truth when you sneeze. <laughs> Something is better than nothing, and I think Donald will really help us a lot and get us some good things like the wall and ending sanctuary cities. So as we move forward, it'll be better for all of us. So for those who, who tell this stupid lie that you know illegals put more into the economy than they take out. And for those who think all immigrants put more money in they take out, and for those who tell the stupid lie they all come out of love, it's a lie. They come out of love of welfare. And I proved it in this article, study after study. I find that no one in the mainstream media is willing to report shows that illegals collect much more welfare than the average American born here, and that immigrants in general, illegal or legal, collect far more welfare than Americans born here, 41% more, by the way. Uh, Households headed by immigrants receive welfare 51% of the time. Households of people born in America receive welfare 30% of the time. Uh, There's another uh, fallacy. They say that Mexican and Central American people are very hardworking. They are. I love them. I think they're very hardworking people. But we still don't realize they're all getting welfare and food stamps while they're working hard. And so you don't want to let people in your country who are going to collect welfare and food stamps and bankrupt the country for the rest of us. Mexican and Central American immigrants collect the highest welfare of any group of immigrants in America with an average annual household welfare benefit of $8,251, 86% higher than households of native-born Americans. I don't know what you could say to these statistics except, as I I always say to liberals, I welcome immigration, and I, I want immigrants here, and I think they are good for America. They give you energy and fresh blood and fresh ideas, and they work hard. As long as guilt-ridden white liberals are the ones we deport, then you can let in all the immigrants you want, because I won't allow immigrants to have welfare. And therefore, then you let them in, and all they can do is work hard for a living. That's cool. I got no problem with that. But the problem is we need to deport the white, guilt-ridden liberals. Then America will be great again. Wayne Allen Root, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Wayne, back in 08, you were the Libertarian vice presidential nominee on the tickets. What are your thoughts on the party right now? In in four-way polling, we see Trump's numbers are down as Gary Johnson, the Libertarian candidate this year, is getting around 9%. What's your take on that dynamic? Oh, well, look, my, my take, I was on the Libertarian presidential ticket in 08, and I realized that it's all for nothing. You work hard, you get nothing out of it. I could have been the presidential nominee in 12. I would have been the presidential nominee, I think, in 12 and 16, just like Gary Johnson. It was mine for the taking, and I gave it up because that's how much of a patriot I am. I care about America. I was willing to put my ego aside because that's all it is running for office as a third party in this country. It's ego. Whether it's, whether it's Gary Johnson, whether it's Jill Stein, whether, it's, whether it was Ross Perot, none of them ever had a chance to win. Ross Perot is the best third-party candidate in modern history as far as his results, and he didn't win one state. So it's an exercise in futility, and you're better off fighting for the country. I'd rather be Wayne Root fighting for Donald Trump and winning the election and saving America than Wayne Root with his name and lights going on Fox News saying I'm the third-party candidate with no chance to win. The whole thing is stupid. So Gary Johnson isn't getting 9%. He's never going to get 9% of the vote. And if he did, it's worthless. You know, Ross Perot got, I think, 19% of the vote and didn't win one state. Gary Johnson's never getting near that number. So maybe he'll get 2% when the final vote is out. What was the point of that? Gary, you should have run as a U.S. Senator in New Mexico. You would have been a fine Republican senator. But as far as President of the United States, not going to happen. Waste of time. Waste of your vote. Vote for Donald Trump. If you want to save America, there's one choice, and it's Trump. Or go with Hillary Clinton, who loves the deportables. That's my, that's my advice. Wayne Allen Root with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Uh, talking about the campaigns, Trump has been trending up. Hillary Clinton's campaign seems to kind of be uh, listless at this point in time. In fact, 
how desperate is it when the media is throwing out the Obama birth certificate thing at Trump? Where are they at when this is what they've got right now? Well, to paraphrase Charlie Sheen, we're winning. <laughs> winning, baby. We're doing great. I mean, it's just it's wonderful news everywhere you look. Uh, the only poll I've ever trusted is the USC LA Times poll. Uh, it is so much better than any poll, including the Fox News poll. And it's so much more in-depth, and it pulls people every day. It gives you a snapshot of where people are every single day, and it pulls the same people every day, meaning there's like they pick 3,000 people at Representative of America, and they pull the same ones for six months every day. That's how you know what's happening in the election, not the polls that say, let's randomly call 500 people this week and a different 500 next week. That's luck of the draw. And so all those polls all show Trump is dead even or ahead by one. The new Fox poll shows Trump ahead by one over Hillary. But that's not real. The USC poll shows Trump now up by six. And by the way, there are many polls that show Trump up by five in Ohio. He's up by two in my home state where I am right now, Las Vegas, Nevada. He's up by two. So I think we're going to win this thing, and I'm starting to feel like we're going to win it big, unless something really you know, wild happens, bad for Trump in the next two months. I think we're going to pull away and win this thing big. I won't use the word landslide, but I think it's going to be far less close than anybody believes. I've been, and I've been saying that since they were saying Trump was down 12 or 15. I never believed it. I always believed that uh, Trump is the whisper candidate. Everywhere I go, people look around, because they all know I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Trump and I'm a loudmouth, so they all know I'm a Trump guy. They look around, they look to the right, they look to the left, they look in front, they look in back, and then they lean over to me and they go, I'm for Trump, I'm with you. They're the whisper, he's the whisper candidate. Nobody wants to admit they're for Trump, or at least until now they didn't. They'd never tell a person on the phone, a stranger calling, I'm for Trump. So when he was down 12, I knew he was probably tied or ahead. Now that the polls show he's ahead by six LA Times, and even in every other poll, I think he's probably up by 10 to 12. I don't even think this is going to be close. And I think you haven't even seen the bombshell yet from WikiLeaks. They've promised that the bad emails are yet to come. That's why Hillary's sick. No one's making the connection. Not only is Hillary extremely ill, but she's ill because it's, it screws with your mind when you know what's in your 32,000 deleted emails and you know they're in the hands of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks sitting in the Ecuadorian embassy in London waiting to destroy your life. And any day he's going to drop the bomb, the email that proves her entire life was pay to play, and she's a bribed, corrupt, treasonous criminal. Any day that will drop. I believe it's probably a month from now, to be honest with you, because if he's smart, I would drop it on around October 15th. That's the right day to drop it. Don't give her much time to respond. Let people be shocked right before the election. And then Hillary is done. She's toast. And being that she knows what's in the emails, and that's why she deleted them to avoid prison, and she knows he's got them, that's why she's sick. His previous work, The Ultimate Obama Survival Guide, was the last time we got a chance to catch up with him. Many other works out there, including the new one, Angry White Whale, Wayne Allen Root, our guest this morning. The energy is always undeniable. We appreciate the time, Wayne. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Angry White Mail, the website, rootforamerica.com. And uh, all of you have a great day. Let's all root for America. Wayne Allen Root, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Coming up, my home state embarrasses itself again and the Iowa Republican as we continue the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. If you've got whiplash from Wayne Allen Root, you're not the only one.
the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I love him. He just brings so much energy, and he just starts running. You better know what we're talking about when we hit the ground running with Wayne. Yeah, it's like saddling up a tornado a little bit. It is. But but as long as you know, you we know went more than going. eight seconds, so we win. <laughs> <laughs> he, we didn't get. He didn't throw us off. He didn't throw us off. Well, my home state of Missouri embarrassing itself again. How come every time something's in the national news, you know what? It, it's <laughs> it's it's riots at uh, Mizzou, or it's the inability to stop an opposing rusher in a bowl game, or something's on fire in Ferguson. Or, uh, you know, Maria Chappelle Nadal. Jamila Nasheed, I'm going to sit down for the Pledge of Allegiance. That's Wiggins. the new one. Yeah, this is this is made national news yeah. now when uh, State Senator Jamila Nasheed, uh, the Democrat from St. Louis, would not stand during the Pledge of Allegiance in the state capitol and uh, also sat through the national anthem as well. Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder called her out over that, uh, releasing a, a uh, statement that called her protest, quote, an occasion for great sorrow. Mm. I, I thought that was an interesting choice of words as well. So I would, uh, I would go back to the refrain uh, that I have been using, and that is we can talk about the details that some feel are still wrong in the country, but I want this conversation couched on we get 80% or more of it right to begin with, Sure, we can work out the fine points. Yeah, well, and here's here's the thing. When, when you talk about, you know, and, and a lot of the, the protests will say, well, this is a great country, but why can't we make it better? That's a fair enough statement. But when, and I'm going to bring in the idea that we're, uh, what, what we brought up with Wayne Allen Ruth, that we're being treated as raw nerves, mm-hmm. not thinking individuals. When we want to change something, we want to see the effect of that change to know that we actually have done something. And we want to see it within a time frame that we want so when you say that we need Which to make today means like eight seconds, right? By close of business right. tomorrow or or by lunchtime, you know, <laughs> we we have no patience, and we we don't accept that even what we're doing is having an effect unless we see the results mm-hmm. within the time frame that we want to see those results. So when you say that we need to make change, are you going to be? And you say we even if you say eighty percent of it's right, if you're affecting change for five percent or a fraction of a percent because that's you know you, you talk about Colin Kaepernick and they're bad cops okay fine How, what percentage of bad cops are there are you going to say it's one percent are you going to be happy if you make a change of one percent is that going to be a big enough change can you can you quantify that and are you going to be happy with the results for your for your own personal satisfaction I guess what's what's the higher percentage percentage of bad cops or percentage of uh, fraudulent votes that were issued so we all need Voter ID. Maybe yeah. that's the if you say there's so argument. few of them, why worry about it? Right. <laughs> Just come back with the same line. We'll come back with Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, part of a fizzy beverage Friday next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Let me just pour this out. Oh, it's a fizzy beverage Friday on the morning meeting. Sean Seacrest, wow. Quaid. Um, 
Craig Robinson's here. I'm going to leave him on hold for just a second. Craig, if you're mixing a drink or halfway through, go ahead and finish up. I just wanted to follow up on one thing we were talking about in the last segment, and that's you saying if you make the change in the world, if it's if it's 1% or 2%, is that enough? I think the, the other question that we have to ask at this point is – are we now the first generation that isn't interested in paying it forward, so to speak? When you talk to parents or grandparents, they all did the work that they did throughout their lives to give their children a better opportunity. We're the first generation, it seems to me, or maybe it's the millennial generation, that doesn't want to do the work so the next generation can have it better. They want it right you know what now Wait so that I can have it right are, now. Are you saying are you, you're just totally leapfrogging over the baby boomers to talk about yourself? No, I'm not a millennial. No, I mean, but Gen X. So you say we. Yeah. You say we. Well, so I'm we gonna say, is in we're we're not the youngest generation. No, I know we're not the youngest generation, in, but I'm going to say you're going to leapfrog over now. the baby boomers as far as the the, the narcissism well, factor and go right to yourself. Well, no, 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 no. I'm I'm saying uh, Gen Xers right now. Yes, baby boomers as a culture, um, it, we're we're extremely narcissistic and and remain so. My parents were boomers. I see some of it there, but they were also able to take the approach that. I, I'm doing things in life to, to, to give my kids a, another leg up, even beyond what I had, to, to give us an opportunity. Uh, my parents, who didn't make a lot of money at the time, paid for three of us to go through Catholic school in St. Louis because mm-hmm. they thought it was a better opportunity. Okay. Is this generation that's now fighting for the social justice changes? Because you, now you're okay, focused on millennials. Yeah. Okay. Now, are, are they the first generation that isn't interested in doing the work to leave the next generation better off? They want the work done now so they can enjoy the benefit. Well, and that comes back to uh, patience. And we want results, and we want them... Well, patience now is waiting for your Instagram to download. And that's... Should, it's, it, it, people's thoughts are, it, it happens instantaneously. I mm-hmm. click the button, and it's there. Uh, we don't have to wait for anything. And a lot of times, well, I mean, again, that's a human trait, and we want it now. Well, yeah. When do we, what do we want to change? When do we want it now? What do you mean we don't have it yet? <laughs> it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. We are just giving Craig time to uh, zip up after coming out of the 18-karat golden toilet at the Guggenheim. Craig, that's that's what you were using, right, as we were getting ready for the show? Of course, because like the rest of our society – I want it all, and I want it now, right? <laughs> Craig Robinson, he pretty much has it all. He's the Iowa Republican, and he has a recurring spot on the morning meeting. New Fox News poll and numbers this week showing that uh, Trump at least, at least has eaten into the at-one-time 10-point lead for Hillary across the country that was uh, spotted after the conventions. And it seems like we've got a dead-heat horse race right now, Craig. Should we believe this wave of numbers that's coming out now, or is there something deeper going on here? Well, I think you should believe it, and I think what you need to realize is that there is a seismic shift going on in this presidential race. And I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, you asked me what to look forward to in these debates, and I said, well, what if Hillary has one of these health scares in the middle of a debate in front of national TV? Um, Well, it happened at a, not in a debate, but at a a public uh, appearance, and I can't tell you that, I mean, I think this will define, that moment will define this election. Um, It's no different than Bob Dole falling off the stage in California (laughs) <laughs> or, or you know, things like that. I don't know if she can rebound from this because this it it eats into her so many different ways. Where uh, it is, it's it's more than a health issue. It becomes a you know, is she being honest and transparent enough? 
Um, and, and I think this is that episode at, at the 9-11 uh, memorial mm-hmm. uh, will really define this election. I think Hillary is in big trouble, and I think Trump is headed to a big win. That's where MSNBC tried to cover for her and wrote that the stifling heat had overcome her. It was 75 degrees and cool uh, on that afternoon. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us. Yeah, when you look at the uh, Clinton campaign, there really hasn't been a whole lot of uh, forward momentum created since the convention, Craig. Uh, how when we were talking with Wayne Allen Root a little bit about it uh, earlier in the show, what kind of plan? I mean, are they just uh, assuming that? And again, I'll come back to the. I think they think the media is supposed to carry the water for her, uh, and it, they're sitting it, back and waiting for it to happen. It's a miscalculation by the Clinton campaign. They have put all their eggs in one basket that Donald Trump is unelectable, and they keep telling the same story over and over and over again. And the Clinton campaign has stopped trying to understand what's going on in voters' minds, um, the attitude of the country. And instead, they're running ad after ad after ad saying that, you know, Donald Trump is just, you know, unacceptable uh, because he's crass or he says things that, you know, you don't expect your president to say. But there was a really good article. I tweeted it out. It was from one of these uh, marketing ad uh, uh, journals that I follow that said that even though people might not agree wholeheartedly with Donald Trump's position on a number of things. They do tend to agree with the direction uh, he wants to take the country. So you might not agree with building a giant wall on our southern border, but you do think we should do something to secure the southern border. And I think that is, in a nutshell, the, what the Hillary Clinton campaign has, and Democrats have forgotten, that people do want they, they, they want to go towards Donald Trump's position, maybe not all the way. And, in, and in, so in, in, in Hillary is only offering no concrete plans of her own, just that Donald Trump is unelectable. And I don't think the American people are paying attention to that kind of messaging or buying it. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Quade just tipped my hand that I wanted to ask you about. We had Wayne Allen Root on on the first half of the show. He was the Libertarian vice presidential nominee back in 08. I asked him about the state of the Libertarian Party and the likelihood that Johnson makes an impact, and he said that running as a third-party candidate in this country is just a vanity project. I have to think that the Trump campaign is a little bit more worried about it than that because when polls go from two-way, Trump versus Clinton, to four-way, it's Trump's numbers that Johnson seems to be eating into. There, there is that. I mean, I saw a, a poll, I can't remember who it was, uh, where Johnson was polling about 10% of the vote, but it was, uh, I think this was in uh, Michigan, uh, a recent poll up there where, you know, Johnson was polling 10%. But Trump had still eaten into, you know, basically it was neck and neck. Trump was down only two or three points to Clinton. I think as Donald Trump becomes more viable, more people think that he actually can win, you will see Johnson's number drop, not go up. So uh, viability matters in elections. If, if, if Trump looks like a loser, watch, watch for Johnson's numbers to, you know, get to 15, 17 points. If, if it looks like Donald Trump's going to win – Watch that number cut in half down to five or six. 
Craig Robinson with us this morning on the morning meeting. Craig, uh, Tim Kaine is coming to uh, well, Central Iowa. I'm not sure which particular venue he's going to be at. Are you going to be there? And is the Clinton campaign underutilizing Kaine? Well, I have no interest in being the worst vice presidential nominee in my lifetime. <laughs> Uh, so that's a no then <laughs> you know, even was, just to see the worst vice presidential yeah nominee, that would be something right there the you thing. could get an article out of here's that the thing. Tim Kaine was a horrible selection by Hillary Clinton for this for, for this right now when we're questioning her health her ability to, to serve out a, a term as president because he's this squirrely little dude he's weird he's quirky the media likes him but I think if a normal if, – if, if you're working a union job, okay, and you, you tune in and you see Tim Kaine doing some weird little wave and, and talking all goofy and stuff, you don't relate to that guy. Um, I, I just think that he doesn't really help uh, Hillary Clinton one bit uh, on this ballot. And I, I think that if she would have had someone who was, you know, just a little bit more – you know, I mean, I understand he's a U.S. senator, but but just someone that you could actually see in the role. I can't envision Tim Kaine as vice president of the United States. I could, you know, Al Gore or or Joe Biden, any of those people. They look and sound the part. Well, Joe Biden Tim is Kaine the vice president. What's that? Joe Biden is the vice president, so you don't have to use much theater no, of the I'm mind. Saying, to... I'm saying before he was elected, he okay. was a good fit because he was. I mean, it was a it was a it was a pick where you had this inexperienced Obama, and if you know, and if you thought you needed, um, you know, something went wrong in the world, and, and he needed to lean on someone, could you lean on on Joe Biden? Absolutely, and and the reason why is because he has so much experience, and he, he especially on foreign policy and all of those things, and and he looks and acts the part, even though he says outlandish things once in a while, but he he looks and acts the part. Or Tim Kaine is, I mean, I think Squirrely is the best definition of him. He's just a weird guy. Well, breaking news this morning. You just heard it from the Iowa Republican. Tim Kaine, not the first overall pick in the Pipefitters Softball League draft. So that's <laughs> that was breaking news here this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Craig, a little bit off the uh, presidential path right now. How good is the economy in Iowa? I'm reading about all of the counties, Wapello, Lynn, Johnson, who are taking it upon themselves to to push up the minimum wage. I mean, obviously you're in favor of this because you'll get a raise, but uh, I mean, how good is the economy in Iowa where the government thinks that they need to get in on this and uh, mandate a more than $10 an hour minimum wage? Yeah, I, this is this is kind of interesting. I, I, Iowa is a state of haves and haves not. I'm actually... Just uh, driving around my neighborhood right now. I mean, there's tons of new construction. Uh, you know, Des Moines and the Des Moines Metro is just sucking in population from rural Iowa. So things are really great here. Um, and and to be honest with you, you can you know you can get a job in Polk County working at Wendy's for ten bucks an hour. So raising the minimum wage here, no impact. But if you raise the minimum wage to ten bucks where I grew up in Clinton County, you have major problems because I mean, it, it just—it's—it's not—it's not even possible. Where, um, you know, and so this is this is an interesting issue where I think that, you know, a lot of people would, hey, yeah, people should make more money. You know, things feel good, but 
you get to the, this rural part of the state where there's no it's stagnant at best in terms of population growth and and all these employers and are starting to move to the more metropolitan areas heck des moines is better off than even the quad cities and those other places i mean it's like an embarrassment of riches here versus you know and even compared to like lynn county and so i think we have to be careful not to apply a, a blanket philosophy over this state where okay ten dollar uh, minimum wage might make sense in, in, in polk county and, and it could happen and it could work but i don't think it could work you know elsewhere craig robinson our guest this morning on the morning meeting uh craig i'm going to take it back uh, to the uh, presidential uh, politics the, the the new numbers are showing that trump is up uh, significantly in the hawkeye state uh and I, I, I thought I saw something yesterday, but I can't find it today, about women are now leaning more towards Trump in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I find that fascinating. But, like, if you look at this, I mean, we've seen a couple polls now that show uh, Trump doing well in Iowa. And then, you know, and then you'll see it confirmed where, you know, Grassley uh, is, you know, up big over his opponent. I mean, Iowa could be the, just this. You know, big Trump state, which is a little bit, you know, odd and, and maybe people didn't see coming. But, um, you know, I think it's it's one of those things. Hillary Clinton does not come here much. You know, she came here for Labor Day. But, like, Trump's here all the time. I mean, he was here on Tuesday. Um, you know, I mean, we see Tim Kaine once in a while. But, you know, I think people really respond to seeing the candidate. And we're kind of used to him and uh, kind of enjoy it. So uh, I do think Trump will do well because also I think there's there's a sense of you know there's a lot of blue collar independents in the state and again I think they appeal more to Trump and his policies than they do uh, Hillary Clinton's policies. Greg Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us every Friday here on the morning meeting. Now that the four plays over, let's get to it. Is this the week that Iowa stubs their toe? They've got the mighty bison of North Dakota State rolling into Iowa City. I mean, if you've ever tried to stop a herd of bison, that's that's hard to do. Hawkeye's going to have enough. Well, you know, I did a uh, I do a little uh, thing for my printing business. We, you know, do a little graphic every week. And- I put some smart Alex saying, and I put it on there like, you know, we got time to get serious. These are the Cyclones are playing this week. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the classic uh, give Craig a little heartburn game because I think North Dakota State is a good football program. But I, I have to say this. This Iowa team is really good. And having the senior quarterback – who can make all the throws. And I was at the game on, on Saturday night. You see Vandenberg making these, I mean, these NFL-style catches. I mean, and they have running backs where they could just they could just run over people. So they should easily win this game on Saturday. Um, you know, the new Kirk Ferentz shouldn't have any problem. The old Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> you were worried about a toe-stub game when you laid out the season. So, um, well, I'm still worried about Rutgers, even though I think it might well, not be Rutgers anymore. That's I'm true. worried of, 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 you know, some little hiccup uh, along the way. You worried that they won't be able to handle their Tim Kaine when he comes up well, in front of them. Right. At the, at the end of the day, uh, I look at this game as a measuring stick more for Iowa State. Will, will Iowa defeat North Dakota State by a similar score, or will North Dakota State keep it closer than Iowa State did? Yeah, I think it's... It, it, 
it's fascinating because I think it, all of this, what's really going to matter is, you know, can, can North Dakota actually uh, move, move the ball? You can, you know, you saw this with the, the first game out of the season where, you know, if you chuck it deep and, and you cash in a couple of times, you, you're going to be able to score on this team. Uh, you know, Iowa State couldn't even do that, uh, even though they threw the ball like 9,000 times. So, you know, I, I think it'll be – I think North Dakota State will actually score a touchdown in this game or two. Um, you know, it's, it's just, a, you know, do the Hawks get out in front and then kind of coast, which we've seen a lot in the past, or do they, you know, play a full game and, and you know, keep the distance between them and their opponents? That's an 11 a.m. kickoff tomorrow. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. He'll get back to the golden toilet. We'll continue. Wrap up the week next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Maybe you can teach everybody your safety exit plan coming up on uh, Saturday afternoon. Last chance to pick up our Patriot Expo tickets this morning here on the morning meeting. 223-9800. 223-9800. Call producer Josh. Let him know how many you need and we'll get you hooked up. We've got a handful of tickets left this morning. Thanks again to Glenn Bemis and the QTP board for donating those to us here at the morning meeting. Football tonight, Quaid, mm. right here on WTAD. Mm. Biggest game of the year for the Raiders. Why is that? They are at home. They take on normal U high. Both teams are one and two. Both teams desperately need this win. And we'll just focus on the Raiders. If they drop this game tonight, I cannot draw you a map to five wins. And, and of course, that means five wins meaning you're eligible for the postseason. Okay. Six gets you in for sure. Five means you're eligible. They drop this game tonight, 7.30 kickoff. Tim Kinsherf will have it here for you on WTAD. They lose this one. I can't draw you a map to get to five. And and so that's why even Blue Devil fans should be rooting for the Raiders to win this one because if you lose this one, then the QHS-QND game in Week 9 doesn't doesn't have... That's, that's a big community pride extra, game. But, but it yeah, doesn't have a the little, extra layer. Lack a little luster there. That's yeah. right. Devils on the road to open the Western Big Six at Galesburg. Two of the preseason favorites. That'll be on our sister station, KZZK 105.9. For Craig, for Wayne Allen Root, thank you. Hopefully you enjoy tomorrow's Patriot Expo. That's going down to Town & Country in in Suites. Thanks to everybody who helped us get you those tickets this week. Here on the morning meeting, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Join us again Monday for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.